by 2030, the expectation there will be over 90% of all content available online will be generated by AI. It is a tool and the bias is going to be there as long as the tool is developed by humans. Nothing is ever constant. We need to build the infrastructure of resources so that we're ready when these inflection points happen. You can make a cool video, yes, but you can't make a whole movie with it, but you can write scripts. Hello and welcome back to Wise on Air, the show where we talk to the world's leading minds on the future of education. My name is Basim, the producer of the show. Tunisia represents a unique segment of the MENA region. The state of education and work affects millions of young lives every day. As the world faces unprecedented challenges, how are young Tunisians rethinking learning and skills? Can they thrive in a competitive tech-driven future? To explore these questions, we've invited four accomplished Tunisian youth. Sami Shafai, a filmmaker using media as a force for change. Nisreen Mubarak, a student activist and researcher of policy, gender and economic issues of the MENA region. Hajar Bhula, an accomplished student, chess player and volunteer who is studying computer science at MIT. And Anis Khalil, an entrepreneur, engineer and content creator who is working on financial inclusion and digital transformation in Africa. They offer diverse perspectives as students, innovators and advocates. And together with WISE director and host of this episode, Elias Fulfoul, we'll explore how Tunisian youth are getting skills for the 21st century. Join us as they share their journeys and visions for transforming Tunisia's future of education. Let's jump to Elias to kick off the show. What a pleasure to be in, uh, in Tunisia, in our home country, recording uh, the next episode of uh, The Wise On Air. I am on vacation and I still decided to uh, bring together four amazing young people that are representing the, the region, the country, but also uh, aspiration, the dreams, and we're going to have a good conversation together. Uh, I do want to start by just having a quick roundtable of a uh, quick introduction, just a minute or two about uh, yourself. Uh, sure, thank you. And thank you for the invitation for this. this it's truly amazing to be together and thank you for bringing us together. So my name is Nisreen Mbarek. Uh, I'm from Gafsa. I've lived there up until high school, end of high school, the baccalaureate. And so after that, I studied history, uh, focusing on the contemporary Middle East and North Africa uh, at Stanford University in the US. And I've worked sort of in the world of think tanks in DC, uh, including at Carnegie Endowment. And then I did somewhat of a career shift and I went to the Harvard Kennedy School of Government to do a master in public policy and focus on education policy. Can I get back to, <laughs> we, we want to deep dive a little bit more later on, but yeah, <laughs> sure. this, is, this is a beautiful journey, bravo. Anis? Yeah, always happy to be here, always good to see you. My name is Anis Khalil. I, I can't hold myself, I, I like to call you the Minister of Finance. The Minister <laughs> of Finance. <laughs> any, any, by the way, any question I have about finance, I, I call you and just, you make it so simple. I'm happy to answer the question. You make it so simple. The you politics of it, uh, I'd like to avoid for now. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, it, it goes back to also where everybody can, can, can have an impact. And I think I turned into the life of business, at least for now. I have no political aspirations. I do work with a few of the ministers, so I get to see the kind of constraints they have. But 
back to who I am. So I guess I self-label as an entrepreneur. I also grew up in, in Tunis. I also moved to the U.S. after high school, studied computer science and business, sort of got interested in the intersection of both, basically using technology to help uh, developing countries leapfrog and start market creating innovations, look at uh, how to leverage technology to kind of bypass the uh, the difficulties that, that we've been having and to accelerate the economy. Uh, after I finished uh, college, I worked for a Swiss investment firm called Seedstars, and I got to travel to 16 African countries in 2017, basically working with early stage companies, seeing the different ways they basically deploy their solutions to the masses with different constraints. FinTech was obviously huge in Africa, so I got really interested in it. I kind of started sort of comparing what Tunisia has versus what other countries have done. And that's what inspired me to go back home five years ago in 2018 and start Flusi, which is basically a financial super app. We are trying to equip every person with a free bank account and give them access to financial services. So within the journey of making that possible, there's obviously an intersection of a lot of fields from, you know, the politics of it to economics to basic like game theory to psychology of humans and, and adoption of services to the tech itself. And there are a lot of challenges that are really interesting about the tech. So I'm kind of in riding that wave and it's been really fun. And I'm excited to see a lot of familiar faces here as well. I, I salute your your engagement to try to move the needle, and 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 of course myself and and, and the crew here we're, we're going to ask you a lot of questions on how do you navigate, you know how do you even convince folks at the central bank and all that. I'm, I'm pretty sure you got a lot of stories to share. So oh yeah, hey Hajar, <laughs> Hajar, it's such a pleasure meeting you and such a pleasure you know, having you with us uh, today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Hajar Bugula. So I was born and raised in the U.S., but to Tunisian parents, and I identify more as a Tunisian, I guess. <laughs> I was homeschooled all my life until I got to MIT. I went to MIT for a couple of years, and then I went to ASU to pursue, finish pursuing my degree and also work with NASA on as a student collaborator on one of their student collaboration projects. And in that project, like we work a lot with machine learning, natural language processing. So I guess like the whole podcast theme is in my niche. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get to, you know, add my perspective to that. Yeah. That's me, I guess. So the AI stuff, you know about it the for AI a while stuff. now. We're, we're like, oh, the AI oh, stuff. You, you guys like, oh, I've, I've been, I've been around machine learning for a while. Well, I, yeah, I think AI is a buzzword. Actually, I, I we, yeah, we call it machine learning. Oh, you don't call it EGI. AI is a buzzword. Yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. machine learning is more, I guess, the accurate term. Yeah. We're going to get back to that and we would love you to explain a little bit more the Sorry. difference and potentially the whole kind of influence and impact that machine learning and AI are going to have on all of us. Sammy, I'm super happy Me to too. have you because you are a podcaster, you are a YouTuber, <laughs> you are a filmmaker, you are a creative. You've been doing some really fantastic work. I haven't finished with my introduction. I love it. I love it. I'm enjoying it. I swear. I'm enjoying it. I've been a great admirer of your work. And I think most of us have been studying abroad. We're the product of the West. You're yeah. a successful product of a national product. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, just, just, it's amazing, right? I have a very different journey. Yeah. You, you have an amazing, beautiful journey. First of all, thank you for having us. Hope you're liking it. You like the setup. A couple more lights. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so actually, I was born and raised in Tunisia. I studied here also. Like, I'm in the cinema and audiovisual field. I'm now I'm in my third year of PhD. I didn't want to finish. I'm supposed to finish this year, but 
as I told you earlier, I still have another year, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm a young filmmaker. I love making movies, uh, commercials, short films, uh, short videos. I love everything. I'm doing now podcasts and I'm enjoying to have a normal conversation with anyone. And actually, I think we're going to talk about AI and how it is impacting all the fields at the same time. You know now in the cinema industry, but I'm not going to talk about it now, of course, there is the writer's strike. A lot of writers are not working anymore because of AI, because Disney and Netflix are using Hollywood a lot of against, that. Yeah, yeah. And they are against it because uh, they will lose their jobs. And there's a lot of things going on with the AI. But I love AI also. It's also about healthcare and yeah. salaries. <laughs> yeah, the strike. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm going to say something very stupid. But, you know, before we were making the water hotter, but now you have something to make it hotter faster or microwave yeah. it's yeah. maybe it's kind of yeah and someone could was doing that and it's, Actually, the, it's something that takes shorter time you know yeah. Yeah. let's come back to 1850 and we instead of having lights we would have candles and and then you have some people come and say oh, we, we got the electricity coming and then the candle uh, industry is gonna go on strike hey, you gotta, your house gonna be on fire you, you know yeah. i feel that look i'm an optimist i do i do want to focus on i do want to make sure that there's a bit more regulation when it comes to ai but I'm, I'm an optimist, generally speaking. And we're going to get back to the, to the AI uh, before jumping uh, straight to that. It, it, WISE is, a, is about education. So I do want to start a little bit about just, just, just understanding a little bit your background yeah. and how education shaped your life uh, and what's the state of education right now in our country, in our region, in the continent, and put it into you know, comparison with you know, what's happening in, in the West, but also how things are changing with the the future of job and all that. So if I want to start with Nasreen and, 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 uh, and Hajar, just how much education have you know, impacted your life? And would you have been the same person today if you had chosen a different path? Uh, God, no. <laughs> My educational journey has been somewhat influenced by what has been available in the Tunisian education system, but also by seeking out opportunities elsewhere because what was here was not enough, unfortunately. And I mean, I grew up, my, both of my parents are high school teachers, one teaches French, one teaches Arabic. So education has always been a very strong value in, in, in our family, except that I, I'm very sad to say that throughout my education in Tunisia, I was not really enjoying what I was learning. I was always a good student. I was always one of the top students, but it was not something that I enjoyed. I felt that I was, it was a means to an end because I felt that the curricula were not necessarily adapted to either market needs or what was relevant to, to me as I was growing up. And also that the pedagogy of teachers and, and how we were taught was not necessarily, there were not methods that, that I was necessarily fond of. And so I ended up going to College Pilot or to the Pioneer Middle School of Gefsa and then to the Pioneer High School of Gefsa. And then I was able to apply to colleges in the US and it's tricky for Tunisian students without means to apply to colleges in the US because on the one hand, you have to apply to top universities because those are the ones that can have full scholarships for, for students. On the other hand, the acceptance rate is so low. For instance, for I think Stanford has the lowest acceptance rate for, for 
all students now, it's at 4.11%. That's for all students. And then when you take international students, it's even lower. And then when you take international students who need full financial aid, <laughs> it, it's low. And so... I was really lucky. I was really lucky to have a supporting family. I was really lucky to go through a Tunisian education system that's actually rigorous in some ways. Uh, that's lacking, but that's still rigorous in some ways. And then to have opportunities abroad that that allowed me to to reach a potential that I wanted to reach. Were you what age you realized the system is not the curriculum is not the greatest for for your own learning uh, style? Pretty young. Pretty young. Pretty young, yes. Really and that's why I want to dedicate my life to working on education issues and to, to eventually come back here and to make a difference. Yeah. Hajar, you, you, you have a different uh, experience. You, you were born and raised in the U.S., so you had access to quality education from the beginning. Right. But uh, I was homeschooled all my life up until like I went to MIT. So both my parents are engineers and they they chose to homeschool us because they they figured they could do a better job than the public system in mm -hmm. the US and they can <laughs> and, um, they did yeah <laughs> but interestingly enough what they chose as a curriculum was the Tunisian curriculum because it was at the time much stronger in math and sciences than the US curriculum and so we actually studied the the Tunisian curriculums in the sciences up until ninth grade something like that and then we switched to Russian and Singaporean curriculums like we went all over the place to whatever the strongest curriculum was. But the fact remained that the Tunisian curriculum was the strongest up until the ninth grade, much stronger than the American curriculum. Yeah. So I, I understand where Nisreen is coming from in that aspect. Um, I'm a bit different than her because I had access in a sense, I, I could apply to colleges as an American. So my percentage was a bit bigger than Nisreen's percentage. And so the same way Nisreen wants to come back here and help with like the whole application process and she can come at, like she can come from that point of view of like, I'm a Tunisian who went through the process. I am more of a person who wants to like be able to tell the Tunisian kids like you can get there you know like dream bigger than whatever you're dreaming like that's that was my whole mentorship like approach when I would talk to Tunisian high school kids right like they would be like oh can I apply to this college to this college or that college and I'm like no you can actually get into Harvard or MIT like it's it's always about you know giving them a bigger picture I think that's where I come in. <laughs> did, did, did you Push back a little bit on the on on, on the parent when when that when they decided to to do the to home, homeschooling. Home school, like um, so how my, was that experience in the beginning? I was homeschooled ever since I was a kid, so I didn't even know oh, so what you a didn't school know is. An <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what a school is. <laughs> I remember I remember my friends. How many friends, siblings you guys are? I have three other siblings. Three others, yeah. yeah, and all of them went through the same well, experience. No, so they I, just tested this on you. <laughs> they tested this on me, Marcus. <laughs> but no, they actually tested it. I'm right. tired of the commute. <laughs> the commute was too much. <laughs> my two older uh, sisters were homeschooled but later like after their um, elementary middle school yeah, it, yeah. Um, so they were the true experiment rats I guess <laughs> but they, my parents figured they could do this like they could teach us calculus in middle school you know they could get us there <laughs> and so they went with it right and and it worked like I'm, I'm a, like I went I went off to MIT my sister went off to MIT she's an MIT graduate yeah my brother went to CMU so We've all been to those Ivy League colleges. Well, MIT is not an Ivy League, but yeah. yeah. And, and we keep, like, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of big ideas about how to fix education and yeah. how to like change the system yeah. and all that. But Hezer is a, is a great example of 
outside of what she's done for herself, I knew her and I knew of her because she was helping so many high school students in Tunisia apply to schools in the US. Yeah. And that goes for through, once. you know, like how to apply, how to write the essays, is yeah. this a good enough application, how to go about There's a startup, that? there's there's a Tunisian um, guy who started something to help. There, there are a few there are trying to, but just in terms of what each person can do personally yeah. and wow. to see that maybe there are at least 10 people that went through that, the that Ivy process, League system yeah. in the last uh, five or six years that did so uh, successfully because of people like Hajar, that's the kind of impact that we can have on a smaller scale that can have bigger waves down the line. Like if you, you know, extrapolate that into more of her and then 10 years, 20 years from now, what the impact of that can be, it can be pretty substantial. Yeah, the compounding yeah. effect is, is, is yeah. great, basically. That's, that's the first time he's ever said anything nice about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, you know why? Because it's recorded. <laughs> yeah, it's recorded. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> he want to make sure his image is or perfect. perfect. Or he got paid. Or he got paid. We know that we can't lie in front of a mic. So this is the true version of things. <laughs> like, I, I saw her, she paid him. <laughs> she paid him. You're a professional. You know, you know these transactions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did it with his app. I think I, I also struggle with that in the sense of we have limited amounts of energy, and if our energy is going to continue to sustain an elitist system instead of striving for equity in education, then how? what type of societal change are we striving to have? Because in helping students from Gafsa to apply, or I also worked for, for an organization and we were helping Iraqi and Syrian students apply to universities in the US, I felt that right, the amount of time that we were dedicating to that was going to change the lives of few individuals. And then we didn't really, I mean, it, it was going to allow them to reach a fuller potential. But then what about the millions, right? What about the millions who do not have access to that? Uh, what about equity in education? What about the sort of elitism that is baked into our education system because it is a because it came from a colonial structure that existed before. I mean, the, the concept itself of pioneer middle schools or high schools where they take the highest achieving students from a region and put them in one place, it's an elitist model that led to have a, a certain class of, of Tunisians that are able to lead a certain change in their countries. But then what about the rest? And I struggle with that tension because I'm more on the, I want to help students and I'm helping students to apply. And then I feel that I'm not doing enough on the equity side. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that because it's something that I, that I think about a lot. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, AI comes in with that. <laughs> <laughs> just to segue into that, I think, you know, Scaling hazard. Uh, yeah, uh, well, not scaling hazard, but scaling AI. <laughs> I mean, I guess they don't, here's the thing, they don't have to go to the US to have an American education or to have a, no. let's not say an American education, let's say a world-class education, right? No. There is MOOCs, right? There is edX, Coursera, all of these places. And, and, and those are projected to be giving degrees very soon. Like I know of a couple of universities that will give you diplomas at least for the first year you finish with with their program in edX and ASU is one of them and so like there there are a lot of these public and private universities working towards that equity and I think maybe the public universities a little more than the private universities but either way there is material out there on edX on Coursera on Udemy to enable enable um, anybody to get that world-class education so it's only a matter of getting that 
getting those courses to those people like i think how- the courses we're gonna get them and i think in terms yeah. of access more, more access but i think the, the the whole experience of i think university is not just a question of Education. that's a pure, my, my opinion it, it's it's yeah. not only the courses or, or the material i think the material exists out there now i think the experience and the network is irreplaceable when when you go to these places and i think they know this the, the ivy league university they know that they have something unique by provide by bringing a smart group of people together and and the bonding experience and, and all that 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 in my view that's as much richer than than the study itself because you can you can learn any of these courses now online and I, and I, there's amazing story that i've been witnessing uh, through wise where kids in india kids in different places in, in africa they 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 manage to study and then move yeah. yeah, because the the leapfrog happened only if yeah. you have the right network. Semi, you 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 are a pure product, a national product. Yeah. You you decided to follow at an early age your passion. Yeah, you are a filmmaker, so education got you to 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 filmmaking, and you're still doing your PhD. Yeah. PhD on what, by the way? Uh, on uh, techniques and science of cinema and, audio- and audiovisual. It haven't evolved since you started to be a bit more you know, uh, active professionally. Actually, okay, let me start all over again. I went to normal colleges. I went to a normal university, but it's, I think it's, it's the first time I'm gonna say this in in this particular way. I went to the best school ever, and it's called YouTube. I was educated very well by YouTube, like you find everything on the internet. And I'm still learning from YouTube. I'm still learning from the internet. I discovered that you can be a country creator, you can travel the world, you can film outside the country, you can meet a lot of people. It's because of, and thanks to YouTube, that I knew about ISIC, a nonprofit organization that makes people travel around the world and make internships. I think you have a lot of ways to be educated without really staying in the country and by staying in the country at the same time. And everything was, you can find ways to fund your trip, find your accommodation. Yeah. With Isaac, for example, they give you a free accommodation. Basically, I knew a lot of people. I started shooting everywhere and it worked somehow, you know? Yeah. And that's what I want to, like, every time I want to tell people, like, if you didn't get that university, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. My question to you when it comes to YouTube, and it's a question to all of us, after I finish with Anis, we can, we, we can come back to it. Yeah. It, it's it's more, how, how did you curate the content? Because now there's more more ways to curate what yeah. you need to go because there, there's, a, there's a lot of crap out there. I don't know. I, w- I swear I just write on Google how to do this or how to... And you, okay. The algorithm it, it's, works, it, it's it w- magic. The algorithm, yeah. It was very freestyling. I mean... AI. No, no, no. No, no. Since I was 15 years old. It's, yeah, so it's we're when talking I start- about 10 plus years ago. 2011 or something. So the, uh, actually, it's a true story. I was watching Dragon Ball Z and I'm like, <laughs> I asked myself, why do I have good, good stumps every time I watch this episode? Why, mm. why I'm enjoying this? Wow. So I wrote on Google, pourquoi j'ai eu des frissons en regardant Dragon Ball Z? Why <laughs> did I feel this every time? And that's when I discovered the word storyboard. I discovered the word storyboard before before discovering the word scre- scenario or, yeah. or script. I discovered the storyboard is well. I think it's Disney who created this. Uh, yeah, the storyboard early. is like when you 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 draw something, yeah. you draw the the movie anyway yeah. before shooting it or something. So and then I discovered editing. So I discovered editing before discovering. Uh, that I need to write a script before. Yeah. So I discovered how to edit before having something to shoot, you know? <laughs> and that's internet. That's the magic of internet. Yeah. So every so when I went to the to, my, to the first university, I was already ready. I was yeah. already editing, you know? Yeah. 
and I love internet for that. It's the it's the best school of learning. No, it's it, it, it's all. Yeah. It, it, it's been it's the impact of internet it's yeah. tremendous I so think it's i swear more that's how we started i'm in love with animes and i asked myself why i'm loving this after watching the same episode every time you know and that's how i discovered the cinema animation yeah. i love that story but his inspiration of this guy goes to japan i think he will never come back <laughs> yeah, I, went there. I went there i came back because i didn't have money anymore <laughs> Anis, 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 you have you, you, your, your, your product of you know, your national product and a, a, a US product, but unfinished US product. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, no, in a sense, I think I, then I'm very happy with kind of some of the choices I've made because I feel like I got the best out of each uh, type of education. So I think, and I agree that our system is very rigorous early on in the sense that it hel it helps you kind of deal with it regardless of what it means. So you need to really work with advanced sciences, math mathematics, work an insane amount of hours, deal with problem sets, do really uh, difficult. So like it's the, it's the difference between saying I need to get a hundred out of a uh, hundred in an exam versus it's really good that I got 20 because it's a very hard exam where you're not expected to get all things right. And I think the Tunisian system is more on the second part, whereas the American system is on perfecting the craft and learning 100% of, of everything. But what I really found enjoyable is the ability to design my own education as I went along in my university years. So I think that's really interesting in the sense that you're not ending up with all people with the same type of background, same type of passions, same types of aspirations, and you're injecting the person in the education. So the best case scenario of the university years is people find what they're interested in by having the liberty to actually pursue different things and find what, what's really of interest for them. And then building off of that to an expertise or a career or a professional interest. I think we need to kind of build more towards that in the sense of allowing people even the freedom of time to be able to identify these things. We have the usual 8, eight to 6, so 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. schedule in, in, in school. And it goes all the way to university in, in Tunis. Whereas you, what you need is really people to ask themselves the difficult questions yeah. and say, what am I really interested in? Can I try, like my, my first year I did research and we published papers and I was really happy that I got to try it, but mm -hmm. I also knew for sure that's not, that's not for me. For you, yeah. So yeah. I tried to go into more of a career that's within the industry. And then I realized that even though I got opportunities, what I'm interested in is trying to apply some of the things I've seen at scale used by a billion plus uh, yeah. people. For example, during my internship at Microsoft, I was working with uh, Word, Word, yeah. the uh, <laughs> Microsoft <laughs> Word. Microsoft Word. But then I was like, can we find something that fundamentally shifts how our side of the world experiences everything around them and maybe introduce small things and shifts in the way we do things or the opportunities and privileges that we see other people have that need to be here and we're kind of best positioned to make that happen. So the interest in education is more on how can I leverage all the information that exists, find the right thing for me, use it differently and then deploy it in the side of the world that interests me personally. If you kind of match all of the, those up and you find the one interesting problem you want to focus on, I think that's the magic formula. 
obviously not everyone finds it at 23. That's when I started the company. I think everybody has different interests. Some prefer research, some kind of want to build a career with advanced tech and they really need resources to be able to, uh, to do that. But that's also what's really interesting about education is to each their own path. And we need to yeah. personalize it and give people a voice in how they get their education as well. So you, basically, you, you you almost did what AI is doing, which is personalized learning experiences. But you, you, I did it you, with you, trial you and error. It. Hopefully AI yeah. will know right away what's right <laughs> and, for and you. And they will be able yeah. to scale. I mean, the um, basic mechanism I, is trial I, and error. I want to stay with you, Anis, and, and I want to I wanna share to the, to the audience that are listening to us how you made that choice and how difficult it is to refuse a job. If, if you want to mention where, it's up to you. But how, how difficult to your 23, 24 years old? 23 at the time, yeah. Broke. Very <laughs> broke. Absolutely and, very broke. And, yeah, and basically the whole dream of the family is to send you to the U.S. to, to potentially get, you know, get, get a good education back. again, get a good job or, or start, start. And then and, I moved and, back. And you say, them. no, I'm moving back. I want to solve this problem. This takes a lot of conviction. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, a, there, there's like an obvious story that's not, you know, it, 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 sometimes we have a series of small decisions that have a real big impact and you make them on intuition, not on pure rationale. And I think that's the, the, what makes it really, really special. And I think that's where you are unlikely to regret when you did something that you're absolutely sure of at the time of making that decision based on the information you have. And it's less likely you regret something you did than it is to regret something you didn't do. So at the time, you know, I went through uh, a computer science degree. The dream was obviously to be in California. I did my first internship at Electronic Arts because I was really passionate about FIFA and playing EA, uh, EA Sports. It's a sport. It's a game. So when I when I first applied, I was legitimately I was playing FIFA with my roommate, and I was like, why not apply to this company that I kind of it was wow, part of my was just playing, you know. <laughs> I was just playing the game, and I ended up applying. So that was my first internship. The second was Microsoft. And I was obviously like to see a more established institution, a corporate with a culture and, and all of that. I got the experience there. And, and I, you know, I went through 150 plus interviews. Some of the big tech companies, they have, you know, 10 interviews to get to an offer. I got a few offers, but then I started asking myself, am I doing this because it's everybody's dream by default or is yeah. it really what I'm interested yeah, in? Bravo. And yeah. part of the inspiration was I had a lot of friends that are from African backgrounds. Yeah. And I just started asking myself, like, why are we as Tunisians not uh, more integrated economically with the African continent? Yeah. So it was yeah. a, a very personal question about my surroundings. It was more, it had to do less with my education in the class and more with the 3 a.m. library discussions with my close friends. Yeah. Yeah. And so that inspired me to kind of find a route that would allow me to have that type of exposure to ask, to answer these questions. I think the more tricky thing is not to ask the questions, but rather to actually act on these things, because it's difficult to say, this is a sure route, this is an absolute gamble, but let me go there anyway. For me, it made sense for two reasons. One, 
is I'm 23. I haven't lived a life of comfort, so I'm not going to miss out on a lifestyle that I haven't had yet. Mm. Yeah. Whereas if I delay that and I'm, I have a st stable job and a salary and all of that, it's, it's much more difficult to make that jump afterwards. And two, it's the right timing of knowing the right problem and finding the right people to do it with. So when I met my co-founder, Nebras, he was studying at Harvard as well. We were like, this is it. We're both committed to this. We know that we want to give it a shot. We believe we have what it takes and it's the right timing. Mm. So we just uh, decided to go for it. Uh, we both took uh, some time off from school. We yeah. both have the absolute want and uh, and we plan to finish that degree eventually. But so far, so good. The business is going well. So <laughs> you, know, you don't you don't change the team. That's You're uh, a dropout. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not in any 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 case labeling myself as a dropout because yeah. I got full yeah. four four years of yeah. experience. Uh, it's or, literally or, or like school. one or two classes left. And here. and I also deeply believe in a system where it's not about finishing a de degree. It's about getting the education. Okay? Yeah. There's yeah. the inter intellectual exercise of asking interesting questions and going around and collecting information yeah. and having debates about, you know, it, you can do it outside of school. So education can be valid anywhere. But I think committing time to fully do that in the context of school with peers, peers that also do that is, mm. is really special. Yeah, it is. AI is a huge topic right now. Machine learning is, is, <laughs> is even bigger. Where uh, I've been. I spent a bit of time in 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 Silicon Valley recently, Stanford, and I've been just fascinated by by the the. I mean, when you go there, it's like almost everything is possible. There's a problem, it should be a solution, right? And and I think there's a lot of hype. I, I want to basically get your sense of the trend, the hype, the buzz, and the, the real impact that that this technology, this new tool, will have uh, on us. So. If I start again with education, and then I'm more than happy to go also to the problem of you know Hollywood right now. This is this is an industry that is yeah. that is that is going to be impacted by. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by the fact that we are, have a tool and a technology that, that is able to measure people's skill sets today better than any time before. We're we're able to 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 measure that, and we're able through that skills measurement, we're able to create learning pathways, right? Are we in a in a kind of a, a new direction to Transition. reach some of the equity and inequality to solve some of these important issues through these tools, or or it takes more than a tool. It takes a mind shift, which you could have the best technology, but if you still don't have the right mind mindset, you might not use the technology. Uh, to the benefit of, of this to solve this problem. So I'd love to hear you on, on this. And then Semi, I'd love to maybe do it uh, yeah. from this topic. We do, we, I want to yeah, come course. back to the, to the industry and hear, hear you all about this is a specific industry that is mm -hmm. getting uh, disrupted and, and people are vocal about it. So okay. yeah, the, the skill sets, the pathway and, and the promises of AI or, or not the promises. I think you characterized it right. It is a tool. And I think Hajar, after that, we'll, we'll delve deeper into the possibilities of what machine learning can help us to do. And I think tools need to be accompanied by public policies and by governmental supports. What that means is that if we're 
striving to achieve equity in education while retaining a certain level of excellence and bridging the achievement gap that exists between students across socioeconomic lines, across regional lines, etc., in Tunisia or in the region, then we need to have we need to have people in government who understand what machine learning is we need to uh, who understand how to use it and i think i mean recently i was working uh, with the iap unesco the international institute for educational planning which is part of unesco and we were having a conversation about uh, there was sort of a webinar conversation dialogue um, it was across weeks about what does ai mean now and how is it going to change the field of international education and how do we support ministries in thinking about how to use machine learning in different field in in sort of different aspects of education and people did not know <laughs> i think it was i mean truly it was it was i was looking forward to hearing more concrete solutions about what we can do experiences of different countries and honestly it it, it people did not know yet and so yeah i i look forward to working on it myself and seeing what is possible to to and trying that sort of across different countries and seeing what's what can be adapted in each specific context but yeah we'll let the experts no oh, expert <laughs> <laughs> well i I agree in the, the fact that it is a tool and the bias is going to be there as long as the tool is developed by humans, right? Like if you know the phrase algorithms are just coded opinions, right? Like we code our own opinions into these algorithms. So of course they're going to come with a lot of bias. I don't know if you guys heard about like the biggest AI scandal was like the Amazon recruitment model who was like like this this recruitment model was supposed to help with the recruitment process for Amazon, but it was like rating the women applicants much less than the than the male applicants for you know because just simply because we recruit more men into tech than we recruit women so the model learned that it was a learned behavior we totally coded you know we coded our bias into that model and of course amazon completely discarded that model and we can't use it so i think i think it's true that it's a tool and as long as we don't have that mind shift it's not going to make our lives better or worse it's going to amplify who we are as humans basically and kind of kind of help us go through that but i don't i don't view it from this very negative angle i guess <laughs> i view ai as a as a positive thing machine learning as a positive thing i guess even in the hollywood aspect where it's like oh people are scared that it's going to take their jobs right maybe elias is old enough to know what y2k is <laughs> sorry i had to take a job at your age but you know you remember y2k right everybody was afraid of tech and like oh oh my god like everything's going to change and tech is going to take over the world I have worked in in machine learning and when I tell you it took me like 6 months to get this software to be convinced that your physics is not the name of a person but <laughs> you know it this stuff takes time at the end of the day the creativity of the human 
whether it's in Hollywood or elsewhere, cannot be replaced. Like it's the AI is there to clear up some time for us to be as human as we want to be, right? It's not there to replace the humans, and I don't think we we even have to make AI similar to humans. That's not that shouldn't be the like the goal. The goal should be to make AI as useful to humans as possible, right? And people who are afraid for their jobs because of AI. I believe they shouldn't be. I believe they should learn how to work with AI to, you know, make more money out of their jobs. Yes, that's a segue for Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's very smart. Actually, actually, what you don't know about this is like is is the writers, for example, now they are getting paid less. Yeah. And it's uh, affecting their work, and that's why they are making the strike. And that's why there are a lot of actors. For example, for uh, now, I don't know when you're gonna upload this podcast, but we are now. Twenty-seven September. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so now we are in the um, period where we have Oppenheimer and Barbie, and they stopped the whole marketing uh, for Oppenheimer just to support the writers' uh, writers' Strikes, strike yeah. because it's very it's a very important issue for them because Netflix and Disney and a lot of other industries are writing scripts with AI, and they're they're gonna start f firing people, you know. So yeah, for me, I love AI. I love AI a lot. Like I use it for a lot of things. You know, when you say AI, when you watch, you're into social media and you see the, the transition when someone yeah. is getting, like you make a movement and then you become an astronaut and then you become a pilot and then the whole world is on fire and the, you know that. But you can't make a movie with, with that, you know, because you can't make a movie when the background is changing because there are a lot of people are they are promoting. They are saying you can make a whole animated movie with AI. Actually, it's not. It's a bad movie you know because it's a it's a movie where the background is currently change, changing too fast or yeah or and, too much or yeah and yeah it's yeah. very weird yeah so you can make a cool video yes but you can't make a whole movie with it but you can write scripts you have no idea how the scripts are written like it's not very creative but it could be creative for some because not all netflix shows or all disney shows are creative uh, that's the biggest issue in, in this industry. For example, James Cameron created the whole camera to shoot like Avatar. Like it took him 12 years, but if he started now, he could do it in three years. You know? Wow. Mm, yeah. yeah. But just to push back on, on some of the things that were said here, because I agree that it's currently a tool with the current things that AI can do, but exponentially the way we seeing some of these things kind of get better at this at a pace that even be controlled. even people who are working on it are are having a hard time keeping up i think it's going to get to a point where it's not it's no longer a tool it can replace a lot of yeah. a lot more people it yeah. can do a whole video where it's not awkward and it's For, a weird yeah. video no and not it, the videos you're you know, doing by the way they're yeah. very good. Uh, I'm, talk I'm talking about the whole. It can be replaced by Just for example, in education, Harvard this year uh, said that starting th this fall in September, they're experimenting with having an AI personalized tutor per 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 student in their intro to uh, to, uh, to uh, programming class. And this is one of the classes that are offered on on a MOOC level. So you could potentially open it up to the entire world where that tutor is an AI that works because 
it's trained on what you're saying, yeah. your assignments, how you interact with the platform, and it can scale and it can have a fundamental shift in the way we consume that type of content, content or, yeah. or, or education. Yeah. Yeah. So the way we see it now, it obviously is, but I'm, I'm, I'm maybe worried that people are not grasping what exponential shift means. And in the context of AI, it's a generalized shift that's not by industry, it's by changing everything all at once at the same time and becoming i'm in agreement with this because i so it, the initial my initial understanding when folks started working on ai they essentially started working on robotic right they wanted to create robots they were not expecting like if you talk to any expert five years ago they will say yeah ai are gonna replace truck drivers uh, you know those kind of jobs right but what, what happened is completely the opposite. Well, what we have right now is a cognitive and, and creative. You know, the, these tools are able to, to do this. And, and in my view, it's just going to get much better, super, super fast, much faster than we believe. The, the problem I have, though, with engineers, and I, and I want to have your sense here, is when I was in, in that part of the world, in, in Silicon Valley, the, you, you, I met engineers and I ask why, why we're creating this I mean why, why what's the need right and the engineer response is if That's I don't cool. create this someone <laughs> Somebody else will, else create will. It. so I, I and I said okay well, but what about you sit with public policy people and you try to say it's not, it's not my job to do philosophy <laughs> like literally if I don't do it now someone else will do it so I do it I don't care how bad this thing is or how dangerous it is or how how disruptive it is it's the job of the public policy later <laughs> to to catch up on on it and and I feel there is a part of responsibility that has to come now from the engineers because things are going too fast for everyone else. So you're the public policy expert. We're both of us. I mean, I, I'm not an expert. I'm, well, I just are. study public policy and I have not used it <laughs> not since, since I just got my, my, my degree, by, by the way, and I never really uh, use it, but you're fresh. With, the, with this, you still have in mind, hey, we need public policy to, to engage with AI uh, creator. What's up? How, how, do we, how, do we, how do we get them to... Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing it now because mm -hmm. they are under pressure. But why can't they just you know, bring on board or, or why public policy people don't you know, go and fight for their, for their spot and, 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 right. and inject you know, how uh, the policy making should be involved in, in, the, in the creative... Uh, process. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to change the incentives of the private sector. And so the engineers can do their thing. They can create and I guess Oppenheimer now is a, is a, <laughs> yeah. is a very relevant movie. Um, I haven't seen the movie, by I the way. I haven't seen it either. amazing movie. You should go see it now. Barbie or Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. well, actually, you can start, Let's go, Barbie. Actually, you can start with Barbie to warm up and then Oppenheimer to get a huge impact. You know? And so... I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I believe you. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's the energy of the energy time and resources of governments of people who are working at the intersection of public policy and engineering should probably be directed towards knowing how to use the tools that are being created as opposed to trying to regulate what is being created because 
I mean, I, I, this is my opinion, but I think it's just it would be so hard to change the incentives of these of these companies. And even looking at uh, basic issues of transportation or how in Silicon Valley, the issues of gentrification or uh, housing. I mean, just the state of, of California has been having trouble just to deal with these regular sort of problems, let alone sort of, yeah, moving to, to other things. And so governments such as Germany, for instance, are getting in touch with different companies to understand, for instance, how to make their transportation system more efficient. And they're doing that. And it's actually helpful. Or in health, it's huge. So I think it's, it's more about governments doing more and approaching and not being scared of these new technologies and also trying to have some form of legislation that helps yeah. with, with yeah. using. Yeah. So, How do you advise the public policy people to come and make sure they convince you <laughs> as a machine learning? As an, okay, so as, as a software engineer, I, I agree with Nasreen that like you can't really regulate what's going to be invented. But I, I am also a firm believer that whatever we invent should be in some way need-based. Like if we if we have the need for for that software, then we invent it. This whole idea of like I'm just inventing it so nobody else beats me to it is, I guess I I wouldn't support it as a software engineer. But I see I see the appeal. I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that like you go after the software engineers because that's not going to work for you. <laughs> But like if <laughs> it's not soft, that's exactly the problem. Maybe that is true. <laughs> Maybe that is true. But yeah, I, I I also think like this whole fear of like AI is counterproductive. Like this whole oh my god, AI is coming to get us. That's just not you know that's not what's gonna move us forward as a society, right? And piggybacking on what Sammy was saying earlier, he was saying we, are, we, we, should, we should not let AI replace people and all of that stuff. But honestly... I, I didn't say that. Yeah, in Hollywood. Like yeah, in the like, Hollywood realm. I like realm. this. I like this. Come on. Uh, like, in I the Hollywood realm. Uh, yeah, I didn't in the say, Hollywood realm. Yeah. Clarify. Uh, like AI should... I'm sorry. Yeah, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't say that... Um, I didn't say that people should, shouldn't be replaced. I'm, yeah. People should still write scripts and yeah. you can still tell... AI to write scripts also. Exactly. And yeah. you can still put people to supervise yeah. the, the AI, what AI wrote, you know? Yeah, but and I agree yeah. with that. You can, I, you can I, have I both, agree you know? with that. Yeah, exactly. You can have both. Just the same way we have painters and cameras, right? Exactly. Like you, you take a picture of something and you sell it. Yeah. And, and, and a second, painter, yeah. yeah, in a second. And, and a painter takes a year to paint a painting. Do, do painters went mad when the... They, went they, mad. Probably yeah. the they, they probably did. They probably did. They went mad when the camera was invented, yeah. right? And and but look now at painters. Like their pieces are sold at a much higher price than you know. A Kodak camera also team. was mad, honestly. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I just wanted to make that comparison because well, maybe AI created movies can be cheaper than human created movies. Like the human created movies can become the niche. Yeah, you but know, you will never know work. if it's AI yeah. that, uh, for example, if Netflix. Is gonna create a movie with AI. They will never say it. Well, <laughs> well, that's where there's an ethical level. We, we, we people yeah, need maybe to that's where the public there, policy there's comes There's a in. regulation <laughs> currently in China, especially with deep fakes and the rise of yeah. sort of the actual complexity of knowing what's true and what isn't. Yeah. There's a regulation that if you generate something of that nature, then you have an obligation to display right, the fact yeah. that it's generated by yeah. an AI. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, like I was just double checking the information because I know that the number is shocking, but by 2030, the expectation there will be over 90% of all content available online will be generated by AI. Wow. So we're talking about... It's one of the studies, uh, this is on Yahoo Finance, but I, I, I read, the, I read mm. the report on to what extent mm. it's going to be more convenient to use AI for generating most of the information. Yeah. And we haven't even gotten to like the recursive AI that calls an AI that does, you know, yeah, yeah. tasks. That the machine basically is teaching the machine. And fundamentally, yeah. I think it's always going to be cheaper. And maybe there's a niche where the human element is going to, to be relevant there. But maybe there's also another universe where just AI creates most of the wealth and we have to make sure that there's equity in the sense of distributing that wealth, making sure that people are taken care of when there's just less jobs around. Yeah. So okay. what about the concept of uh, universal that's, basic salary? That's one of the topics that well, are on hold the on. table. That, that, that's yeah. a California type, type of you know, s solution because you can, you, can, you can implement that in, in, in the West relatively easy but how, how do you how do you do this in the world so uh, you know and, and this this kind of uh, sparked uh, from the topic of oppenheimer but they say rarely are the people that make the tech are the best people to tell you what to do with yeah, it yeah. <laughs> it's rarely the case that that they're they're the same people and i think it's a hard problem to know because most of the public policy people cannot keep up or they don't fundamentally understand the tech so being advised by someone who created the tech they might have completely different understanding of how the world works and the way they view it from their bubble of whatever elements needed to be there for them to be f so focused on creating the most yeah. top-notch tech. So there's, there's a very hard problem at the, at the core of it. So in terms of just providing sort of universal basic income, we don't know to what level the wealth is going to be concentrated even. You see the number of billionaires increasing and the number of sort of the rates of poverty increasing and going to the extremes. Maybe there's a universe where the we're not talking about wealthy nations, we're talking about wealthy individuals yeah. that okay. control these AIs that have, you know, 50 plus uh, percent of the wealth of the entire world. And maybe it's going to be nations distributing that wealth. So universal basic income, even in between nations, because countries like Tunisia maybe are not equipped to contribute meaningfully in this whole equation. Do you agree that we should then tax AI companies at 90%? This is coming from someone you might have been following his work, Mo Gaudat, who's, who's an ex-Google. What I think is that it's too early to decide on that. I think we, we cannot make it less of an incentive for people to innovate. We need to make sure that people have the resources to invent and to invest in these technologies. And yeah. we haven't seen the full upside of them yet. Yeah. But I think it's maybe a good time for public policy to be engaged in these things and maybe yeah. talk about different models of making yeah. it work before it's too late. Because yeah. there's a version of this where it's, it gets too late and we haven't made a decision on how we want to go about it. All right, I want to do a quick transition, but please, Nisili, no, go, ahead. go ahead if you want to say something. Oh, no, I just wanted to jump in on Hedger's point earlier where you were saying engineers won't listen. But there are companies that are dedicated, for instance, take Instadeep, they actually want to solve certain public policy issues and they get approached by different governments to be able to do that and it works like they're basically it's it's almost like consulting companies that are using a new tool that governments don't know necessarily how to integrate into their system just yet and th that's a model that can be sort of replicated with other governments 
I think the corporations themselves, you know, they, they will care. But as long as, you know, I, I was talking about the individual engineer who's just like yeah. getting paid their own <laughs> <Sure>. salary. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the corporations should be held accountable. And I think that's that's where public policy comes in with the corporations, basically. Yeah, well, yeah with the right regulation, because I am I also like the idea that we shouldn't stop innovation. Yeah. We, should, yeah, we, should, we, should, we should just strike a balance that. Jobs of the future, and so so we're talking about massive disruption. We're seeing one industry, Sami's industry, getting disrupted. Yeah, we have an example now in Hollywood: these strikes, and that, that's that's I think uh, first example of what potentially could come. Mm-hmm. So if we just go back to our context in a country like Tunisia, mm-hmm. and then and, and then extrapolate, uh, go outside, I mean, we're struggling with the massive economic. Uh, you know challenges and 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 honestly speaking we don't see the 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 light in the tunnel and and then you had covid you had okay we had a revolution we had you know many governments no one brought a solution then you had covid then you had this massive disruption and how you know how adding challenges in in a country like tunisia how are we going to be able to leapfrog you know and and I and I'd love to hear the person. So basically, Sami, you you decided yeah. for your own future to say, okay, to to expand my business, I need to get out of here. Yeah, but actually, like I'm still working in Tunisia, but uh, to expand, yeah, I went to to Doha, and I'm still like to Doha. It's not just work in Doha, but because it's easier to to expand internationally, yeah. basically to get more clients internationally. Yeah, but the thing is, the problem with Tunisia, I love my country, I love it so much, like. It's very beautiful country, and I'm I'm not saying this because I'm Tunisian and like that speech, you know. But I was I was telling this to Enis earlier when I brought him to my podcast, and I said the same thing exactly. He told me sometimes the right person at the right place at the right moment he could make a things. huge opportunity in Tunisia. I yeah. told him unless the government yeah. doesn't give him an, like the permit to do that, you know. <laughs> Like he could be at the right place at the right moment, but the government will say just no. Every time one of my friends or my collaborators comes to Tunisia and he's looking to Tbarqa, Indraham, Janduba, Benzard, and he's the like... The sceneries are out of the Yeah, out and of this every world, time yeah. they are seeing the same thing. Like, okay, it's a country of opportunities. Why are you this poor, you know? <laughs> or wh- why are you doing this? To Why you don't have the international payment? Why you can't mm. order from Amazon? Why you can Like the basic things. And I'm like... So you, your work as a public policy, it goes beyond just AI. Yeah, we, that's we, why I work we, on there's education. A there's, a layer, there's an extra layer yeah, you need to Yeah, that's fix why before. education is like, you know, nice because you can work on sort of yeah, other people sort of that you. can do other things in the future, you know. So yeah, so I'm delaying the responsibility of other generations. Uh, like I could say this now, I, I said it about uh, one influencer's name is Luai and I'm going to say it now about Ennis. If Ennis makes a whole, I don't know, like political movement or something, I'm gonna push with him. If you wanna be a president, I will like all my communities. I'm gonna always mention you on Instagram. And yeah, we've got, we've got some young, young activists. Uh, I wanna reiterate, I have no political aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's super important. By the way, yeah. I, I, I'm a true believer that like I've been in, I've been in two few places recently that I love the transformation. Yeah. Rwanda and yeah. and so so one example is Rwanda. How how do you move from? Uh, a, a place where you had genocide 20 years ago and now it, it's and then also the city of Medellin in Colombia which I think people make like the first impression is, is narcos but the, the reality is you 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 have a city that was one of the most violent city in the world yeah. and now it's one of the most innovative city in the world and it takes a group of people 
And the pyramid. <laughs> a group no, of people, we, yeah. We'll we abolish the them. We'll abolish the, them. That's the thing. We have the group of people. We just don't have the authorization to start doing yeah. stuff. And you can And if you so start, literally, you can put you in jail the whole, issue, the whole issues is governance issues. Yeah. Hezer, you've been helping people, but you've been doing few things to help people to move, help to us. study and all that. <laughs> how can how can you scale some of the stuff you're doing? How can you give, say, me a permit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would like a permit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually am doing that. I'm working on a, I worked on a project with my sister on on MOOCs actually and it's it's basically a machine learning software that learns the pattern that the student learns in so basically it watches the student watching a lecture <laughs> like it, it, yeah basically oh, it records not oh, not it doesn't record like the face the face or anything like that it mostly records like the mouse movements and whether you paused whether yes. you rewinded like at what section did you pause to google mm. at what section did you what sections did you repeat which sections were quote unquote the hard topics, mm. right? And you can link you can link the activity of a student on a lecture to what they found as hard topics. And then you can adapt a, a learning model that adapts to their learning style, right? And mm. and and you can even create quizzes at the end of the lecture that quizzes them on what they found to be hard. So that's kind of like kind of like what you were talking about, Anise, like a very personalized tutor, AI tutor, right? We are already working on that. And I want to give a shout out to Asma, my sister. She's great. And that's Hi, what Asma, she does. Hi, Asma. <laughs> and yeah, and, and yeah, so that's already happening. And like, we plan to make that an accessible to everybody around the world. It's not going to be so just... It's not Tunis only. This is, this is a, this yeah, is a this solution. Is a, yeah, this okay. is a project with a, an American university. But like, yeah. it's it's still, you know, it's still targeting the world and, and students of the world. So it's targeting MOOCs. Mainly Global South? or, or... It's, tar it's targeting MOOCs. So whoever okay. has access to MOOCs, like edX, Coursera, and all of that. Yeah. 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 Well, and, we've been working on that, like, at the Harvard Graduate School of Education in... In my data science class, yeah. we literally do that. We analyze information from the Harvard Massive Online courses yeah. and we track different things yeah. slightly. Well, say <laughs> similar and different, but yeah, it's, it's so really interesting. What my sister did is create the software to do that, oh. basically. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so she, like we would do that automatically. <laughs> the product of Harvard? Is this MIT versus Harvard? We win. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad but, yeah. that's from Berkeley here. <laughs> <laughs> Anise, uh, by 2030, I think we're going to have 450 million young person in, in Africa that is, that is you know, able to work, but the unemployment is going to be super high. How and, and, and while we have this super crazy older people getting, the aging population is getting, it's just, so there's a, there's, there's, there's going to be a, a, a a debalance in, in the world. What are the jobs of the future in the continent? How, how are we gonna be able to, you know, to to welcome this new force <laughs> coming in, in 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 place in less than you know, six years? Well, the short version is we don't know. <laughs> I want things you to are know. I need definitely, to, I need things to... are changing at a very rapid pace, and I think part of it is embracing the fact that we need to be agile when it comes to how quickly things are changing, and to have an ability to upskill people so they're not left behind. So this is part of the equation, you know, like literacy when it comes to using tech, being able to know these concepts and how to use them, utilize AI tools before they, you know, come to replace us, yeah. or maybe finding a way so that people are relevant in 10 years within their career field and how to keep up with that when, you know, simple things like all 
of m- most of what's written uh, out there on on AI, on the changes of education, on the future of work is in English. So the fact that people don't even have access to it because of a language barrier is a fundamental issue that's not tackling the main problem. So there, there are levels to it. But I think w- when it comes to how we approach it, there's a huge opportunity to be on the front of this. So Nassim gave the example of InstaDeep, which is a great AI company that was started in 2014 in Tunisia by two Tunisian founders, and it exited at over $600 million to a German company. Uh, this is a great example of how AI can come from anywhere. And these guys have offices in six yeah. African countries. So they believe fundamentally that talent exists everywhere. And our countries can actually, because of uh, the young population, can be leading some of these changes. They can provide uh, services within these new technologies to develop countries. So it's not about waiting for the change to come. It's about interacting with us and making sure that we have the capacity to build expertise, to train our youth, and to make sure that we're contributing to it in a, in a way that's efficient. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe it's an opportunity to leapfrog like we've never had. So I'd like to stay optimistic, but it's about also equipping people with the right tools to do so. If you, if you have schools that don't have laptops, that don't have internet, maybe it's difficult. So there's a level of infrastructure, there's a level of commitment and then there's a sheer volume of people that need to be engaged in these topics one of the bigger issues is talent and the fact that talent is actually leaving the country at i wouldn't say alarming rates but to build your next rwanda you need your elite and you need people who are well educated and you need people who are engaged in these topics to come and try a million things so they find the right structure that works in that local context and go from there to equipping everybody uh, with the right tools to, to succeed and be part of a, uh, an economy that works yeah. uh, and that gives them the dignity of work before the money itself. Can you make a film about this? And, yeah, and amplify, I can. <laughs> amplify, amplify the, yeah, the if, challenge that is, that, that is coming. If we talk and we make conversation every day for, for example, two months, we can write a movie about this. Can I add that we also need foundational learning that does not exist in a lot of our countries. We also need the basics of (laughs) reading and math that a lot of students in our continent actually still struggle with. So it's almost like we need to work at two speeds, at two levels, and we need to sort of move on all fronts and not forget that most of of, of this workforce that is going to be there um, in the next decade and, and more might not actually have that foundational learning. If you look back at the building pillars of uh, of Europe after the Second World War, it was a baby boom. You know, you you, had, you, you needed amazing. Uh, you needed a lot of young people to to build your economy, and but they had the right vehicle. They, they had the right policy. The right you know. So mm-hmm. they used that uh, youth as a force to build the economy. While you have this in Africa now, but we mm-hmm. don't have the right channels to make sure that we we we, we capitalize on on the youth mm-hmm. to build you know and, and and to create and to innovate that mm-hmm. i mean I'm, I'm a little bit worried when it comes to to the and I, and, I'm, and i'm not sure how 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 genuine all this uh, attention that the west it shouldn't be the the solution shouldn't come from the west in in my view it has to it has to be a solution that is coming from 
from you know, from the continent. And there is a lot of you know you, you're spending a bit more time than anyone. I don't know if you still spend time in in Africa or not. Are you still less than before? The, but I keep yeah. in touch with my contacts yeah. there. Yeah. Do Do you see some some stories of leapfrogging? Do you see some progress or 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 like you know back and forth and, and, and nothing really concrete? I mean, it's the way the world works, right? There are a lot of fundamental issues that a lot of countries in Africa have. Most of them are related to infrastructure to be able to generalize certain things. So yeah. even in the case of Rwanda you know having having the types of services and infrastructure in the capital versus in other cities is not nearly the same yeah. uh, in tunisia it's also the same like the access to opportunities in the capital versus other cities is is nowhere near the same for the same type of education you get on paper with using the same books you probably end up with a different understanding of how the world works and quality of knowledge that you have access to that would unlock the next opportunity but you know i, I think it's a, it's just a matter of having enough of an ambition to really aim high and then having enough dedicated people to put the work in to make the proper research to know what what actually could work and then to put the resources in to actually deploy it and see if it works and the good thing is this has been happening for decades now so there are a lot of research on it and potential ways of going about this there are books written on the topics that we can so we're not starting from scratch it's just a matter of is this factored in in the way that we design the narrative behind how we're doing it. Yeah. A lot of what Sami has been talking about is more related to can a young person believe in their ability to change things or build wealth or make a real impact based on where they exist. And a lot of that is more on are we communicating a message of hope? Are we building a narrative of all of this is actually adding up towards something that makes sense? Yeah. Are we giving them the proper indications that you know, we're not just working on really short term gains we're actually building towards a 10 year or 20 year timeline hopefully if that's the case then people will actually see the feedback loop and be more engaged with the topics i really like this and i really like you know some of the some of the the, the work you do because you you Thanks. touch upon on yeah you, you're quite educational when it comes to the content you're creating yeah. and you're trying to always inject optimism in yeah. We're going to end soon. I just want to have some sense of how do you get inspired for, for some of the stories and, and ultimately what kind of, if you have like one or two or three messages you always want to send, what, what, are, what are they when you do your videos? One sec, I need to think about something very smart to say uh, <laughs> because it's the most important part, I think. I think I always tell people there is more than one way to do something. When I was starting my YouTube channel and someone told me, you don't have a camera, how, how are you going to do this? And I told him, okay, I'm going to, no, I, I lied. I told him I have a camera and actually I shoot everything with my phone hmm. and I created some lights hmm. and no one knew that it was. There was a phone. Yeah. yeah. So, hmm. yeah, basically you can not lie. That's actually a good, that's fake it until you make it. Yeah. it I would like to it. add that that is also AI software that helped you do that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so God. yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> there is a positive spin to AI, that's all. How can you, you know, capitalize on that experience to inspire young people from our region to believe that, hey, you know what, there's no more, I am, I am a, I'm an Arabic, a Muslim, and I can and I can be at NASA and 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 
if I made it, you can also make it. We need to get you more visible to to have more oh, people inspired know. by your journey. <laughs> I mean, so I, in, in the case you can, you become a public figure soon. Oh, I the moment you go to his podcast, by the way, you're gonna become a very popular person. From Sammy's famous. podcast, <laughs> I think Sammy is more likely to be to make me famous than you are. Oh wow! Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I said, I said, I said, if you go to Sammy, my, my mind is. Oh like, my god! Like she, dude, this <laughs> is free. Why? Why did she? I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. But, but actually, yeah. was by the by the I was invited she, for the spice I, and I'm I, providing. I, I like how she's, you know, straightforward. <laughs> no providing. BS. You know, brutal, she's brutal. inviting herself to you, to she, your podcast to your now. Podcast now. Yeah. She, she's an MIT NASA. Huh? <laughs> she can I, inspire I can a lot of young people. invite me to NASA? Like everything provided, like the flight ticket, everything and the accommodation? <laughs> You gotta go to Harvard um, for that. I'm not sure. I feel, I feel like <laughs> you, NASA you were, listening to this. So I, I can't speak for NASA. <laughs> I am under severe instruction not to say that. Well, we'll you say know, about that. You can say something like that. <laughs> I would give you a tour and show you some very rare meteorites. <laughs> cool, because I don't live there, so, so, you know? What oh. can we do? How can, what yeah. can we can, tell yeah. us? Yeah. yeah, so basically I think it, it goes back to what Anis was saying that, you know, if you can envision it, you can do it, right? And I think that's that's what we lack here in Tunisia. Like, I think people don't envision that. It's like, oh, you're gonna go work for NASA. Like, that's not a thing. How are you gonna get to NASA, you know? But the truth and the reality is that, you know, Tunisians and everybody, like everybody in our community that I have seen has the capabilities to succeed in NASA. Sometimes I feel like an imposter because like I, I listen to all of these smart people around me and I'm like, you know what? Like they deserve to be in NASA more yeah, than I, I, I do. I deserve to be in NASA. <laughs> you do. And, <laughs> and, and I, I just want to push people to, you know, dream bigger. It's okay to reach for the stars sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. You know, reach for the stars and fall. That's fine. And In I, your case, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. quite literally. <laughs> there you go. But I also think that, you know, what Nisreen said about the language barriers is very important. You know, if if we don't switch, or and he said that, uh, yeah, if we don't switch back to English as a society, or perhaps if we don't work on AI in Arabic, we're, we're not going to be able to catch on on this, you know, AI wave and all of that. And and we still have education in French in, in Tunisia. That's that's a huge setback, in my opinion. And I think I think we should make the switch to... I, I, I truly believe we should have a trilingual system. That I works, truly yeah. believe we should have Arabic, French and English. That, I, 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 I don't know why we can't uh, apply that. I agree with that. But I also believe that any language that doesn't make it into the AI realm is probably going to go obsolete. Yeah. Like if, if, if Arabic is not integrated very quickly into natural language processing, like Siri, like the stuff on your phone, then Arabic is very quickly going to become obsolete because people need to use those, yeah, need to use that software. And so they're going to make the switch to whatever language that Mm. software is in, right? That's super, super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we should push for Arabic and NLP just to make sure Arabic doesn't, you know, disappear. (laughs) And I, I think, I think it's okay to, to mix our own culture with, AI and the future of AI. Like just because I'm Arabic or Muslim, I shouldn't not envision myself at NASA or at MIT. I should think about what I can bring to NASA. Like I, I can bring the Arabic NLP. I can bring the Arabic touch. I can bring my culture, like basically who I am, into what NASA is, and and, and that mix is valuable. I think mm. you created something really inspiring 
Tunisia 88. Oh, you've been part, sorry, sorry, sorry. You've been, you've been part with Kimbal and you've done some, you've been part of this initiative. Yes, yes. This is, when, when I, so I met Siradi and I met Kimbal and, and I really, really loved what they, they, they achieved. Yeah. So what's your contribution and, 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 and what did you, what, what are some of the things you observed in, in some of the young people's eyes when you brought those pianos in, in rural areas? Yeah, wow, Tunisia did. It's taking me back. So it started off with a series of conversations about what can we do in Tunisia and what can we bring as an innovation to the education system. And we quickly realized that bringing in music and student leadership and also community engagement was the formula that we wanted to, yeah. to, to do. And so I had met Kimball and then, you know, he was he was in touch with, with Radhi and then also Ulrich and, and a few others. And so we started off Tunisia ID, this is the OG team and the first concert was actually in Gafsa in my high school I organized oh, it there wow, okay. and so I think it was also symbolic to start Tunisia 88 in a city that but also a city that historically has been marginalized Neglected, yeah. but I mean the growth has been insane now Tunisia 88 is in every single high school of the country and it is under the patronage of the president of the country and we were trying to integrate it with the Ministry of Education and it's basically a a, a, a sort of a bubble of student innovation, performance, of uh, leadership, of trying to create global citizenship through music and honestly seeing some of the some of the results is, is just incredibly inspiring. Yeah. So I don't know if you heard of the, the initiative. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I saw them performing with yeah. Salim Arjun and Yeah, Salim and Noor, like yeah, a, they're I good cry, friends. I cried. Like, yeah. It, yeah. it was beautiful. Such a yes. beautiful initiative. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that you... Yeah, she, 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 <laughs> that's why she brought it to her city as a starting point. <laughs> yeah, you start, Kuda, bravo. That last question for all of us, uh, and I'll start with Anis. Uh, Anis, what, what, what's some of the aspiration you have for yourself, for, for Tunisia, for the region? And, and I don't want to hear, I want to come back and finish my, no. my degree. <laughs> <laughs> but no, truly, like, what's some of the aspiration? What's some of the thing? If you have a superpower, you know, a superman in you, would you would you do to change things in the next five years? My last name is Kalel, which is Superman's original name in there in his planet. Wow. So there is there's a backstory there. That was a long. It was actually my 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 advisor in the US that made me aware of it. He's a huge nerd. He's like, Mr. Kalel. I was waiting for Superman. No, but I think it's just to keep it simple. It's just, you know, we we want to be part of a change in a meaningful way. And yeah. we want to make sure that the communities that nobody m will care about more than us are taken care of. So yeah. we need to make sure that we get top-notch education, top-notch, you know, innovation, whatever we can get involved in all over the world in a global way with the highest of ambitions in the best ways possible, and then somehow connect that to the narrative of building uh, internally uh, and taking care of our communities, yeah. making sure they're well integrated, making sure they're part of the future, not just uh, kind of uh, taking care of their basic needs. It's really yeah. about creating sort of that that connection and and that's what we're in a part in, in in kind of that's where we find meaning in our work so i chose to work on fintech i know that it's fundamentally the economic freedoms of people that can create the 
energy and the privilege of pursuing more things. Mm. So I wanted to focus on that, making sure that people are equipped with tools to be part of the economy, to be part of a system that allows them to move up the ladder. And that's my personal journey and where I want to focus most of my energy on. So the next five years will be on that, just moving from Tunis to uh, the region itself. There's a proverb and I've been telling this all over the place in sort of different student gatherings and wherever I'm allowed to speak. It's just a matter of saying, if not now, when, if mm. not here, where, and if not us, whom. It's just a matter of saying, I can do that and I can do it now and I can do it wherever I am with whatever capacities and, and, and skills that I have and just starting that journey and finding where you can take it. I, I love it. I want to. I'm, yeah. I'm voting. I'm, I'm with you. I'm wow. voting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, of I'm course you're voting. I'm done. Yeah. I'm voting. Bro, start with politics. I'm, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Let me just say that I'm, I'm super excited to work with politicians <laughs> that have a vision that they want yeah. to build and yeah. we would love to support it because we deal with a lot of government organizations, a lot of uh, ministries. So having the right people yeah. in Tunisia and elsewhere, having the right people in those positions can help us do 10x yeah. much faster. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, people should be engaged in politics. It's just not not everybody has to be a politician to yeah. make that change. Yeah. You well, still can be a president. You can go for it. I'm serious. Yeah, the, I mean, the sky is limited. You you can you can do anything. But the most important thing, do it to make a contribution. Yeah. It, it's not about, I don't think it's about a position, at, at least for our generation, since I am your generation. It, it's more about, it's more about make sure that you are adding value and you're contributing to something. And that's what I love from entrepreneurs, by the way. I love the fact that, you know, you choose a problem and you want to solve it and you're dedicating 10 years to make sure that you solve that problem. And after 10 years, you can make a decision to change or not. So you still have start what, selling three, ice cream three, four years, <laughs> three, four years after that journey. So I, I am looking forward to see how how the these things evolve with you. And uh, I'm, I'm super happy you you shared some of your insights uh, with us tonight. Uh, Hazer, what, what's your aspiration in the next? So you have multiple hats. You're researchers. You're you're at NASA. Yeah. You're, you're, you're with your sister with Asma. Uh, sure, uh, I I do a lot of. I also do chess. <laughs> I guess I do a lot of things. Yeah, and oh yeah, you're a chess player. I am. We're supposed to play after after the. We will yeah. play. You're gonna beat me like few 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 we'll few moves, we'll but see. yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think it's very easy to get lost in you know the mountain of things we have to do for Tunisia, the mountain of things we have to improve about Tunisia and change and all of that. But like Anise said, if everybody just focuses on what they're good at and and you know try to do the most out of that, like just do the most for their corner. I think, you know, things are bound to get better, like what, what Anise is doing. And I think, I think that's amazing. I think that's what's going to solve, you know, those problems. So in that, in that like context, I would probably, you know, work on mentorship here. I would love to work on mentorship here. And I also would love to work on Arabic NLP, like natural language processing. I think that's important, just to preserve the Arabic language. So as so after NASA, we'll see you at OpenAI. Or... Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would love an Arabic ChatGPT, for example. That's yeah. that's important, and I yeah. think that should yeah. exist. It you should know, exist, yeah. I would love to work on something like that. Terrific. I wish you really all the best and I hope you get there and, and I'll be more than happy to contribute to make sure that there's more <laughs> Arabic in the AGI. Yeah. yeah. Sami, 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 Sami. 
Yeah. I, I know. I mean, you. I, I want to ask you the aspiration in five, ten years, but actually next year we're gonna see you in the red carpet. Yeah, yeah. I hope. Yeah. You I'm, have it. I know you have it. Yeah. In the your next. Mind. Yeah. Next it. month will be the shooting of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start. Yeah. Tell us more. <laughs> really? But no, no, I'm no, very, no spoiler. I'm very excited about this last short movie that I'm gonna make. And I hope it reaches Venice, Cannes, yeah. Moscow. I'm, I'm always actually when it like comes it's gonna be amazing. When it, when it's it gonna be a Black Mirror episode, by the way. Comes, so you're working on on a movie. You started already. You're shooting it in Tunis. Yeah, we are shooting it in one month. And and we're gonna see you in Festival de Cannes. Yeah, yeah. I hope. Awesome. Will you be using AI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. So you are using AI. Yeah, I like it. Just in one scene. That's all. Nasreen, we're, we're we're ending the podcast with you. Are we gonna see? more of these amazing initiative and I know you're, you you want to be involved more in public policy and try to reform education. I think nothing is ever constant. Things always change. And having studied history, there are these inflection points, inflection mm. moments, and 2011 was one of them. And we need to build the infrastructure of people, of resources for when, so that we're ready when these inflection points happen. And Last summer, I was uh, working in South Africa with Pumzilem Nambunguka, who is the former deputy president of South Africa and the former executive director of UN Women. And she was telling me about being in the first government of Mandela, about fighting for the liberation of South Africa, about being in the anti-apartheid movement. And I mean... To see, it's bringing me goosebumps, truly, because to see how they believed that the system of apartheid was not something constant. Mm. They were constantly working and struggling and fighting and being imprisoned and trying again and people were sacrificed. And I mean, to see that there was this group of people who were trying to lead a certain change without necessarily seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And at the same time, they were trying to build this infrastructure so that when the system of apartheid was abolished, there were people who were able to go in in government to create a change. I mean, th she was she was the, the Minister of Energy at the time, and she was telling me how she was fighting the Australian uh, companies, she wow. was fighting the British companies to get them out of the country, right? And then, right, she became number two in the country. And so it's, it's, it's insane to see how things can change quickly. And we can make that happen in Tunisia. We can continue with our work. We can continue sort of inspiring each other and working together and building this infrastructure for when this inflection moment happens. And then we, we can have a better Tunisia, truly. Thank you very much for this, uh, for this inspiring uh, uh, moment and inspiring experience you shared with us. I mean, that fight was, was, was a great fight and and if they made it i think everything is possible right i've, I've been so happy to have this conversation with yes. you and i and i and i admire your your journey you guys are doing some really good work so you too keep keep keep, keep it up because inflection point is is now and i and i think we're at the right time to leapfrog to, the, the leapfrog will happen